because if you can't tell from this show, I, <laughs> I love a morale check. Welcome to Every Edition, the tabletop role-playing game talk show that's not limited to just one game, rule set, or style of play. We cover the latest incarnation of the world's most popular role-playing game, the old-school renaissance, and everything in between and adjacent. While we don't agree on everything, we do agree that rolling dice and assuming the roles of characters in a fictional setting is the greatest hobby in the world. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Every Edition Tabletop RPG Talk Show. I'm John. I'm Jesse. And today we're going to loot the body and take a look at Torg Eternity, mm. one of my favorite settings for a role-playing game. And for our random encounter, we're going to be talking about our top five uh, games that we are looking forward to playing this year. New year, new games, let's go, mm. right? New year, new me. That's right. And, uh, of course, we'll have our morale check where we'll be taking a look at the tabletop role-playing game industry and the news of the day. But first, Jesse, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I have kicked my D&D for hire into high gear. Awesome. Uh, my work schedule has changed and allowed me more time for more groups and more people. I'd say the only, the only hanker uh, is, is uh, COVID. You know? <laughs> yeah. We have had a couple cases where people have been... Uh, exposed and you know that kind of sucks when nobody can play but you know i'd rather people stay healthy and people stay safe sure then uh then you know be selfish and play tabletops so then we just switch it to online because virtual tabletop is a thing yeah it's great and we can still play and yeah it's been it's been really fun this uh dnd for hire stuff i want to hear more stories from you about your dnd for hire and, I, and even i mean there are probably people out there that would love to try that themselves mm -hmm. and sort of how you got into it and and how you how you how you kicked it into high gear. it always amazes me like I'll, I'll see a thread on a facebook group for for dnd about somebody um maybe not having any dms in their area and wanting to look for a dm and willing to pay and the, the comment sections are always split, like, you should never pay for D&D, <laughs> or you should pay your DM, like, an insane amount. Like, I, I think there's a whole episode where I could just go into the nitty-gritty of, you know, the ups and downs of, of a DM for hire. Well, let's do that. Let's do that. And that I do, kind of fun. Even the whole thing of, like, showing appreciation for your, for your dungeon master. I mean, if you hire a DM, obviously you're showing you appreciate them because you're paying them. Yeah. But even if it's one of your friends, you should be doing something for the person that's running your, <laughs> running your game because uh, that, that takes uh, extra effort. Yeah, and, it's, it's effort. Yeah. And people, you know, people like yourself who have GM'd or DM'd games before, you, you know that there's more that goes on on the back end than just, like, showing up and reading through a book. Yeah. So. And even just at the very least, I always, uh, and this might be small, but, like, every time a game is done, like, the game session is over, I always make a point to say thank you. Mm -hmm. To the, to the to the dungeon master or the game master mm -hmm. because it's the least you can do is sure. at least show show some grat gratitude good. yeah <laughs> so all, all right, right John how you doing good we just had a little bit of a etiquette you know <laughs> a D and D etiquette lesson there I'm doing all right um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that's where we were headed but that's <laughs> I mean, all right hey. that's all right um, no I'm you know uh, New Year still still thinking about what 2022 is going to look and feel like and hopefully you know things are getting more back to normal. Mm. Um, and, and, and we're able to, to gather around the table more often. And I think when I do gather around the table this year with folk, 
I have a real hankering to play some sci-fi. Yep. Uh, you know, some science fiction role-playing games. We had, we had talked before that we actually haven't played very many science fiction role-playing games. Um, you know, I have some experience with the, with the Star Wars, the D, the D6 Star Wars role-playing game from back in the, in the 90s that West End Games put out. But outside of that and a little bit, I, I played like one or two sessions of Star Frontiers mm. when that was a thing in, in, the, in the 80s, in the late 80s. Um, I played that, but outside of that, um, and, and, you know, I haven't had a lot of experience and there seems to be a lot of good sci-fi games right now. So it seems yes. to be, this seems like the year of the sci-fi game. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making that up or if that's true, <laughs> but, or, you know, tabletop role-playing, I'm ready. I'm ready to get my sci-fi on. Me too. I've, I've only done like a one shot of a one-on-one in Starfinder mm-hmm. and that, that got me into it enough to want to play more. Yeah. But just like you said, I've I've not had a chance to play any, any more than that or any other, uh, sci-fi RPGs. Well, let's change that. All right, it's time for a morale check. Our morale check is where we go over uh, new news in the RPG land. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this week on Kickstarter, uh, Neverwinter Noir. Has been released by oh. a uh, by an author named Nick Kendall, who has done a bunch of different one shots uh, in PDF form on DMs Guild, and this struck me uh, as a very interesting uh, piece, and I, and I plan on picking it up and, and taking a, a sort of deep dive into it hmm. um, because I I personally I've never played the like Neverwinter video games, mm-hmm. so I've I've not gotten much more than what some D&D 5th edition books have gone into Neverwinter like you might travel through it so you have like one session where you're just role playing in there you don't really do anything in it right this is like a deep dive you're playing a noir type story with a party uh in Neverwinter so i'm hoping that this has like you know a lot of uh, a lot of lore centered around Neverwinter cool. but it's very much a more adult oriented mm-hmm. um a little bit more serious urban fantasy type noir feeling mm-hmm. and uh, i think that's that's really interesting and i could i could see something like that being really cool for Baldur's gate or Waterdeep or any other major city in uh in at least the forgotten realms you said this is a kickstarter no this is on uh, dm's guild dm's guild this, is, guild. Okay. this uh, released on i believe the 11th so it is it is available it's a 9.99 really cheap um and it's a pdf so easy cool. to pick up great well in other news uh planar compass Issue number three is going to be launching its Kickstarter in February. Now, this was originally planned to be part of uh, Zine Quest Four, mm-hmm. which uh, has been moved to August, and uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm sure, included in the new um, Zine Month Zemo. Zemo that is uh, is being uh, pushed as a new way to kind of collect um, uh, creators and their and their role playing zines that they're going to put out in the month of February. So obviously, this is an example of again a, a creative team that was planning on a third issue in February, and they're going to move move forward without uh, the support of yeah. ZineQuest and without that extra support from uh, Kickstarter. So it is worthwhile, I think, everybody to um, to consider getting involved in uh, the Kickstarter for Planar Compass Number Three. They're still going to be releasing it on Kickstarter. Uh, but it won't have that extra push. Mm-hmm. So here's a here's for what it's worth. Here's a little extra push from every edition. Uh, we, uh, you know, I love Planar Compass. 
Uh, it's a great mashup of Spelljammer mm. and um, and uh, Planescapes for the old school Essentials uh, game. And so uh, it's fantastic. It's worth your time. This particular issue, issue three, is going to be focusing on uh, the plane of law. Okay. Uh, law and time, I believe. Mm. Um, and so a very, very specific, exploring one particular uh, plane, and it should have two new character classes nice. in issue three. Nice. So um, there's going to be some plenty of crunch and then also some <laughs> also some new lore. And that's in February. And that is in February. So check out issue three uh, Kickstarter for Planar Compass. Keeping with the overall sci-fi-ness happening in role-playing <laughs> uh, games this year, uh, the next Magic the Gathering set is a return to an old uh, fan favorite uh, a world of Kamigawa. Here we go. Talked about it a little bit in the last episode. This is a sort of sci-fi, cyberpunk, futuristic look at an old, um, very heavily inspired by uh, Japanese mythology world. Um, and we, I had kind of touched on it before. I, I, th- I think that there is grounds for this to become the next Magic the Gathering D&D crossover book. Oh. And I... I, I would say that it'd be very interesting if they managed to get that cyberpunk sci-fi feel Mm -hmm. and shift away from like the Strixhaven or Raven, uh, not Ravencroft, uh, Ravnica, Ravnica, um, you know, sort of high fantasy, Mm -hmm. typical D and D stuff. Um, I, it, the pre-release for the new set is, uh, in early February. I'm looking forward to playing it, um, and getting all of the sweet arts and the sweet borders and the, the new lore, um, so I'm really, I'm really kind of hoping that they they go with this as a new source book for D and D. It's a cyberpunk kind of yeah thing, right? Yeah, That's... very. It's it's called Neon Dynasties. Mm-hmm. It's very much a a you know Japanese ninja neon signs everywhere kind of you know typical cyberpunk uh, okay setting. And I think that when they came, uh, were working on this set, they did a they purposefully tried to include more Asian creators yes. and artists, so right? The it, first time uh, Kamigawa came around was about 20 years ago. And without going too far into it, uh, it was created by a lot of people who had stereotypically uh, introduced uh, Japanese and Asian culture into Magic the Gathering. Okay, They didn't have very much in the way of like actually native mm-hmm. Asian folk mm-hmm. on the set. Um, so this time around, they're handling it a lot better. And even on the uh, the lore and creative team, they've been uh, front and center on uh, like showcasing the new lore and the new art mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Really going into uh, the details of the set, and it seems like they're they're just handling this one infinitely better than the first one. Cool. Yeah. Oh, good. We'll have to check that out. And finally, uh, also launching uh, uh, soon on Kickstarter yeah. is uh, what it may be the final volume. In Cobalt Press's Tome of Beasts series. So we reviewed the first Tome of Beasts. Yep. And uh, this is going to be Tome of Beasts Volume 3, mm-hmm. uh, the third Tome of Beasts. Um, so the Kickstarter for that is launching very soon, coming out, uh, I believe, uh, in uh, in February. Uh, it'll, it'll still be up and running. Uh, and so... Uh, I've been, I've been becoming a, a bigger and bigger fan of Cobalt Press. A Midgard fan. Yeah, I got the Midgard. I got the Midgard setting book um, recently, and uh, I checked out the the Warlock Grimoire, um, and uh, just 
kind of impressed with Cobalt's uh, just a fantastic company. Yeah. Um, the the website that I use for my lore uh, world building, uh, World Anvil, uh, frequently has challenges for writing and world building, and Cobalt Press is the first one to jump on um, sponsoring like prizes and things oh, like that. Cool. So they'll they'll just give stuff away. Uh, their books, they'll they'll give gift cards and things like that. Um, they're they're a super nice company, and they they create really high quality products. Uh, I'm hoping that I can get in on the first day for the Kickstarter for the new book. Yeah, uh, and I'm hoping that this isn't the last one. But I mean, after three books of like 300 to 400 monsters, how many more can you really make? Well, and, and so part of me was thinking, you know, with them saying like, "Hey, this is our this is going to be the last volume of Tome of Beasts." Part of me was thinking, well, you kind of want to get that out there before 5.5 or sixth edition sure. or whatever, right? And and. And so there is, I think, as we get closer to whatever the next D&D iteration is going to be, I actually think there is going to be a little bit of a publishing lag because mm. people are going to want to know what's, you know, should I should I even bother to make something using fifth edition rules yeah. or is there going to be so much of a change that I should sit on the idea for a little bit? And and I know that Might they, outdated. yeah, and I know that they sometimes send out to third party companies, you know, like here's the rules ahead of time sure. and that sort of thing. But still, um, you know, in announcing in, in 2022 that a book that may not come out until the end of 2022 or 2023, that it's the last one that feels connected to the timing of sixth sense. edition or, yeah, or yeah, whatever's yeah. next. The other thing I, I wanted to say about the um, the Cobalt Press uh, Kickstarter coming out is it seems like a good deal if you really want to get all the stuff, <laughs> right? So. They, uh, you know, as when we reviewed the Tome of Beasts, we talked about how they really do go all out. They've got pawns, they've mm -hmm. got virtual tabletop, they've got, you know, decks, they've got, um, you know, a layer book, mm -hmm. right, which gives you like uh, encounters for for the different creatures and stuff. And so, if you're somebody who's going to want to get all of that stuff, it seems like it makes the most sense to back uh, to back the Kickstarter for the Tome of Beasts three. If you're somebody who maybe just wants to get the book. Then maybe it's it's less urgent uh, in terms of if you're thinking about you know uh, saving a couple pennies or something like that. They always um, uh, they re they release them at the same time or at least close to the same time um, to like big box stores like hobby shops or mm -hmm. Barnes and Noble and whatnot or even through their website. Um, so they will be available for just the book. Yep. Um, but I'm I'm definitely one of those people who likes all the bells and whistles. Yeah. So, and I, I've missed all of the uh, the previous Tome of Beast Kickstarters. So. I'm hoping to get in on the ground with this one. And support them. Yeah, great. All right, everybody. So check out everyeditionrpg.com to find links to all of our socials. We've got uh, buttons there for Facebook, for Twitter, for Instagram. We've also got, obviously, links to our Spotify, mm. to our Apple Podcasts, and to our YouTube. And you can also find a button there to send us uh, an email at everyeditionrpg at gmail. Dot com And uh, Jesse and I are excited to announce our first contest. We are going to be giving away a, an every edition canvas bag. And we are going to load that canvas bag with goodies from free role-playing game day 2021. So we're going to have um, we're going to have different games from uh, our friends at Goodman Games, from Troll Lord Games, from Ninth Level Games, from Paizo from Green Ronin and lots of others. And That's we are going to we're going to load this bag up with lots of wonderful treats for all of you. And we'll have all the details uh, for this contest uh, on our on our socials. Mm. Uh, so make sure to check them out. But the long and short of it is subscribe on YouTube, 
Follow us on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Like our videos. The more you interact with us, every time you interact with us, send us an email. Uh, you're going to be entered in the drawing to win this, and we will uh, send this to you. We'll pay the postage oh, yeah. and uh, drop it in the mail. And uh, you'll a sweet bag too. Get this, yeah. It's a tough one. Carry all your carry all your role playing books to the next session in style. Um, be like me and take every book you own to every session <laughs> <laughs> so uh definitely definitely uh subscribe on youtube because we're still trying to hit 100 subscribers mm. um but also follow us on twitter uh check us out on facebook and uh and follow us on instagram and send us a note mm. uh, if you have any ideas for the show shoot them on over and good luck yes good luck it's time for a random encounter For today's random encounter, we are going over our top five games that we are looking forward to playing this year, specifically in the <laughs> RPG realm. You bet. So, John. Yes. What's your fifth most excited thing you're excited about? All right. So my fifth most anticipated, most excited uh, tabletop role playing game that I want to play in uh, uh, this year is Mothership. Okay. So I know I've mentioned Mothership before on this show, mm. um, but Mothership is a science fiction role-playing game. Uh, it's rules light. It's a, a uses a D100, mm -hmm. uh, and it is uh, it's cool. It's the new indie cool, right? It started off as a zine, made like three million dollars. Nah, or something. not that much. <laughs> one uh, almost one point five, right? Okay, okay. Almost one point five uh, million in its Kickstarter. Um, which uh, super impressive for a th for a you know for a, a third party mm -hmm. uh, independent uh, independent publisher um, for a role playing game, um, but it it comes in zine form. It's going to get its first box set release. It's had a number of third party um, uh, creatives uh, do adventures for it, and some sure. of those have been in like cool pamphlets, uh, okay. uh, uh, pamphlet form and stuff like that. So really, just sort of. Uh, not only rules light, but then also letting you kind of take things in different directions. Not yeah, not grassroots or yeah, and give and giving you just enough to run it, but not so much that you feel like you got to read, you know, <laughs> uh, like a, a big tome before you yeah, can sit yeah. down at the table. So one of the things I like about Mothership uh, so far, what I've seen from the original. Uh, zine release and the some of the original pamphlets is the presentation mm. right and so it is cool and it is it, it seems like the type of uh the type of game where once you got it under your hat you really could just pick up one of these pamphlets without having read it uh in advance just pick up and go you can read it and off you go uh with your science fiction um role-playing okay. game right now on kickstarter there is a uh, hardcover book called hull breach okay. which is a collection of uh mothership adventures and as part of the kickstarter they're actually going to include uh, a conversion guide so that you can convert mothership uh, adventures to other science fiction role-playing games nice so uh it's it's the new indie cool it's <laughs> a beautiful wonderful presentation uh rules light everything i'm looking for right now in a tabletop role-playing game including the fact that it's science fiction all right jesse what is your number five? My fifth most anticipated game of this year um, is li literally any ninth level polymorph system. This year, Excellent. I want to I want to make sure sometime this year I play a polymorph system from ninth level games. Which, uh, for those of you who may not know, is the uh, the system where if you play a, a class, you play a, a specific die. Right. 
the wizard plays the d4 the rogue plays the d6 the fighter the d10 or what whichever yep you know it's it's very very um it's it's not tactile mm-hmm. it's very much uh, an ambiance sort of uh, role-playing type type setting um which i really want to explore i have a lot of um you know i have a lot of minis i have a lot of tiles i have playlist <laughs> upon playlist of like here's what you would play in a tavern here's what you would play in a dungeon of music and mm-hmm. i think you could play with lighting and you could really make like a really awesome experience playing with this system where you don't really have to depend on a character sheet mm-hmm. so i just want to explore that and see if that's even an option for me for dming for hire uh, because that's like a premium experience that i could i could sell and no. uh, i think i think not only playing in that but also gming that would be super fun and i'm really i'm really looking forward to that it lends itself really well to memorable one shots yeah i really think yeah uh, that's uh, I think really where I want to be. Uh, it doesn't seem like many of the ninth level games uh, resonate with me in terms of like a campaign. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So either you know a one shot or like you know over the course of like a six hour day where this is the RPG day and we all play and have fun, and have you know beer and pretzels and I think it could be really really fun. Yeah. Great. All right, John. What's your fourth most anticipated RPG? All right. My fourth. Uh, my fourth one has been. A- been out for a while hmm. it's my fault that i haven't had a chance to play it uh and it is uh starfinder okay yeah so i'm late to the game here uh but uh this year i am more interested in science fiction uh tabletop role-playing games than i've ever been before hmm. and uh it feels to me like starfinder uh kind of has a a good foothold yeah um in the industry and and to me it even feels like uh you know, in, in our neck of the woods, uh, I see more Starfinder books and products and people talking about it than yeah. I do Pathfinder. Um, so, you know, I've uh, I've I, I'm interested in going to the source, going going back to uh, going back to Starfinder, uh, going back to, you know, third edition based yeah, game. It's very much the uh, the third edition sci fi stuff. There's there's a little bit of the the math and the grindiness of Pathfinder, mm-hmm. uh, but not too too much. Yeah. Um, and from what what I've read through it and uh, what little I have played, it seems really interesting. Combat seems really fun and dynamic. Um, each uh, Alien Archive that they come out with comes with like a dozen uh, new playable races, so there's always something interesting to play. And they're all you know, it's sci-fi, so they're all aliens and they look cool. There's even like a little tiny monster that has six arms and you can wield six weapons, which is kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we're both going to be uh, exploring the starter set. Yes. Um, in, in, a, in a future episode. Um, and so, that you know, I'm going to start where you're supposed to start yeah. with, the, with the starter set. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll come along with me on this <laughs> on this journey. I know for some people. You know, Pathfinder and Starfinder, it turns them off because mm. it is, you know, Pathfinder gets the nickname Mathfinder, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, Pathfinder to me was, uh, you know, before Dungeon Crawl Classics came out, it was the alternative to fourth edition. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, and it and it was the lineage of third to 3.5 to, you know, Pathfinder was considered 3.75. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so... Um, so I, I have, and I played Pathfinder when it first came out and, and enjoyed it very much. Um, I thought it it can be an enjoyable game. Yeah. Um, and I did, I did feel like it was unwieldy to run as a, as a DM Hmm. because there were so many player options. That was one of the things that, 
um, you know, I, I started to gravitate more towards the OSR and simpler and simpler games and stuff. But at the same time, crunchy and science fiction feels right to me. Yeah, definitely. Like, and the way they handle it um, with the adventure paths, mm -hmm. uh, where every few months or every month they, they come out with like a tiny little booklet that's, you know, a, a chapter of a maybe a larger book for your campaign to run through. They only ever go to like four or six. Mm -hmm. um, they're not like epic campaigns with these characters. It lends itself well for you as a player or a GM to, to go around your local area or conventions and, and play in sort of pickup games or play with a dedicated group where you're always playing something different and experiencing the game in a different way. Um, it just seems like they handled Starfinder a little bit differently than Pathfinder mm -hmm. and they made good changes along the way cool well so that's my number four uh starfinder mm. jesse what's your number four my number four is another game well sort of it's it's only been out for like a year now cyberpunk yeah. red has yes um but cyberpunk has been out since you know the 80s mm -hmm. and i've never played it um i've been watching a ton of it online i've been watching people play it online it seems like a really fun uh system i like the idea of you know, any stray bullet can really kill you. And, okay. You know, you're you're a mercenary who, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to work with your your party member, but you kind of have to because that's the job. And I like I like that. I don't know everything that it uh, it pushes forward. I like, and uh, this is obviously the newest edition. Um, and they're uh, they're working on a new source book for Cyberpunk 2077, which is the latest video game, uh, which is the only Cyberpunk stuff that I've really dug into because I, I really enjoyed the video game. Okay. Um, so it would be cool to, to have an RPG setting in that future time. Mm -hmm. um, but Cyberpunk Red happens in 2040 during the time of the Red. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's that Cyberpunk sci-fi that I've been, I've been craving mm -hmm. for the past year. And, you know, uh, Roll20 is doing their pre-order for that stuff online. So it's, on Roll20, it's going to be super easy for me to at least fill out a group or Great. You know, work with a group if they're not uh, local. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, and again, we're both going to be uh, exploring the starter set mm -hmm. for Cyberpunk in a future episode. So it's uh, it's uh, I'm starting to see a pattern here or a theme <laughs> beginning to develop. Um, I, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm uh, anxious to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, John, what's your third most excited Number three is uh, an oldie but a goodie here. So number three, I you know I love me some dungeon crawl classics. And <laughs> you don't say, <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't say. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the thing that I'm excited about uh, in thinking about this particular new year and 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 gaming uh, in 2022 here is uh, introducing more new people to dungeon crawl classics. And for me. Dungeon Crawl Classics is the fantasy uh, tabletop role-playing game that I want to be a player. Okay. Um, I don't know that it's the game that I want to run, mm. but it's definitely the game that I want to play. Um, and so I'm going to make you run it, Jesse. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's definitely <laughs> the kind of game that I want to run, um, but if, if I'm being honest, like the the uh, core book yeah. is a bit, it's, it's a heavy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hefty book. It's intimidating, uh, yeah, but it could it could lend itself well to a group of people who just like want a random game that happens, and you're rolling a ton of dice, and you're pouring over the book, looking yep. at spells and stuff like that. And 
I don't know. I'm, I'm also looking forward to it. It didn't make my top five, but I would totally run it. And yeah. there's a bunch of different ways that you can run it too. Yep. Um, well, and the, so I've also, I use the quick start rules as the gateway drug, right? Sure. So I give every, like, I'll, I'll just have a stack of, of <laughs> yeah. quick start rules and I'll be like, Hey, you check out this game. It's and really, you like Dungeons and Dragons? Here we go. Um, <laughs> because, and I did that with everybody in our gaming yeah. group. Right. And one at a time, I'm like, hey, just plant the seed, plant the <laughs> seed, plant the seed, talk about how cool it is. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that fruit is starting to, mm. to blossom. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that. Uh, you've you've agreed to run some Dungeon Crawl Classics coming up. I think it's going to be great. I love the magic system. Yes, like I'm in love with the magic system. Super personalized. Yeah, like you, you can you can sort of get that in D and D, but I don't think I've ever had a player come up to me and and ask me like, "Can my fire be a different color?" Right. Well, I just love it's. It makes magic dangerous again, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just too. It's become so predictable. Uh, you know, and and so I, Dungeon Crawl Classics has nailed what uh, what a magic system that is dangerous, that is unpredictable, yeah. as magic is I think supposed to be. Um, there's just also just so many like neat little you know nooks and crannies, and 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 it, it is it, it does take sort of a maximal approach I think sure. sometimes to rules, and so it is going to be incumbent on. I think uh, for a, a group that's new to Dungeon Crawl Classics, if you're playing the fighter, you need to know what the fighter does. Yes, right, and that's on you, and not necessarily as a new as a new Dungeon Crawl Classics uh, GM, right? You should be able to kind of rely on that other new person to to say like to I'm I'm gonna own yeah, I'm gonna yeah. own what the fighter does. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn mighty deeds, mm-hmm. and I, we're gonna kind of co experience this and teach it together right sure. um i definitely want to play a spellcaster i'm just letting you know that because I, I, I want the to... mighty deeds is a cool system it makes it makes melee fighting more interesting yeah than just sort of like hey i i rolled did i hit nope okay see you in 10 minutes yeah yeah so my uh so my number three is dungeon crawl classics uh in any form uh, let's here we go i can't wait and i'm, I'm so glad it's going to be with uh with some other uh, people who also love fantasy role playing, but maybe never played that particular game. Yeah. So Jesse, what is your um, what's your number three? So in the theme of actually playing things as a player, all right. Uh, my th- number three is uh, uh, playing as a player in a Ravenloft Curse of Strahd game. Awesome. So I own, I think now all but one of the fifth edition D and D books. Um, and I've never read through Curse of Strahd on purpose. Um, I've never had a group. I've always had it as an option for groups mm-hmm. who want to run it or want to play through it. I would run it for them, but nobody's ever picked it. And I've purposefully never read through it because I thought, hey, maybe one day I'll get a chance to play through it. And I don't want to be that guy who's like, you know, oh, there's something in the in the <laughs> chest over there. Let me go investigate over there. Yeah, you want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. Yeah. I want to have fun. Um, so I, I actually just finished up my character. Uh, we're going to start very soon. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to playing um, and seeing and experiencing other people playing or other people's DMing styles is also mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um, and seeing, you know, you know, being without my safety blanket of a DM's screen, yeah, having that sort of you know out in the open, you have a cool role or whatever. I think, though, I've been watching a bit too much of the Witcher series because my fighter <laughs> seems to be a lot like the Witcher. Okay. <laughs> well. Without being a Witcher, but it's just all within the rules, so 
It is what it is. No, it strikes me that with you doing a DM for hire, mm. that it would be healthy for you to have a group that you're a player. Yeah. Because that would, it, you know, just I'm just thinking like that must enhance your ability then to kind of go back and, and bring some of the things that you learn or try as a player to the table as a, as a DM and that they're, it, it, it just feels healthy to me that you would do and do sort both. of like connect with that side of the screen yeah like like uh, we had talked about uh, i think in the previous episode like uh experiencing being a dm um gives you a lot more leeway and a lot more uh sort of uh, empathy mm-hmm. for the dm or the gm in mm-hmm. their spot um, so it could go the other way too. If you're a DM full time and you never, if you're never a player, you never get to experience what you're pushing on people. Yeah. Um, and you could, you could sort of, you know, you could learn from being a player. Yeah. And so. being, you know, on the ground with all the other players. All right, John, what's your number two? All right. So if Dungeon Crawl Classics is the game that I want to play, then the game that I want to run, if I'm going to be a, a, a game master, is definitely old school essentials. Mm. Um, and, and to me, they together are sort of the perfect, um, the perfect blend. Sure. As a player, I want to do Dungeon Crawl Classics because it's maximal rules and random and, and, random, <laughs> and I love the magic. But if I'm going to run a game, I want rules light. And so for me, it doesn't get more elegant. It doesn't get yeah. more, uh, more simple or intuitive than going back to the basic and expert. And I just love uh, what Gavin Norman is putting out Mm. into the world in terms of reviving uh, the basic and expert Dungeons & Dragons rules with um, old school essentials. Coming up um, very soon, I think uh, by the time this comes out, uh, end of January or into February of of 2022, uh, there's going to be a Kickstarter for two box sets for... um, old school essentials mm. and uh, uh that uh, that i am day one and i'm whatever <laughs> getting, all the bells I'm getting and every getting all the bells and whistles and everything i and even though i already i already kind of have it like i just I, oh this is the re-release um, it's the re-release yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay. so it's the re-release of the um the classic fantasy mm. which is which is the basic and expert pure and then the advanced fantasy, which is Gavin Norman's additions to the basic and expert game that really is inspired by first edition. Okay. So it includes things like an acrobat class, mm. like an assassin class. Uh, those things are, are, weren't a part of the original basic and expert game, but you can play them in the advanced version. Okay. Um, so if you're a purist, you go with the classic fantasy. And if you want to kind of have an updated version of your your basic and expert experience then you would go advanced fantasy or if you want to have a more first edition-y feel yeah yeah. and i love that you can you can pick and choose like that that it's organized that way it really is all about the organization the formatting uh of these books they're a little pricey but i think you get your money's worth Mm. um and so um that's the game that i want to run that's the game that i run for my family sure if we're playing D &D around the around the table at home we're playing old school essentials because uh, if you can't tell from this show, I, I love a morale check like like that's, you know, to me, that should be a part of an encounter with uh, with creatures and monsters and things. Yeah. Um, th- not everything's just going to fight till it's dead. Right. Like you want to you want to have some stuff run away. That feels right. Yeah. And and it also just that little that little tweak to, I think, attack encounters. Mm. 
uh, it does change things uh, significantly. Mm. Like, um, it's not just a slaughter fest. Murder right? hobos. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, uh, you know, and, and I do think that the, um, the, uh, the original basic and expert does lend itself to a little bit more problem solving mm. and a little less uh, just hack and slash. Obviously, if you want to hack and slash, great. And it's got <laughs> wonderful, slick, intuitive r- rules for that. And, you know, again, I love the fact that Old School Essentials gives you, uh, you know, uh, gives you a, a sending armor class that we're all yeah. used to yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in modern games. So it's still got the modern conventions. Uh, it still also gives you descending armor class if you want to be. If you choose to. If you choose, you choose to really be old school. <laughs> um, but it gives you both. That's the way to go. Uh, it's just a great, great system. It's the it's the fantasy game I want to run. Sounds good. So Jesse, what is your uh, what's your number two? So Ouroboros is a Kickstarter game that happened last year. I want to say around this time last year. Okay. Made by a person named Chris Metzen, who is or was the lead creative and lead uh, like sort of lore and world builder for a lot of the early um, Blizzard games. So like World of Warcraft, Overwatch, Starcraft, Diablo, a lot of very lore-heavy games Mm -hmm. he uh, spearheaded. And and he does a lot of voices too. Um, But he left Blizzard some five or six years ago and started his own company called Wargaming. Um, They they, they just... they, They have so far not done anything. This is their first product. Okay. Uh, he is very much into wargaming, like uh, like uh, Warhammer 40k and and, and whatnot. Uh, he always posts about it on social media. Mm-hmm. But they uh, released a Kickstarter for Ouroboros last year, and it is a fifth edition uh, campaign setting that comes with uh, races, uh, classes, monsters, maps, all sorts of goodies. Um, and I I cannot wait. I've I've been waiting. <laughs> Like a year, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I backed. I I said uh, when they announced it because they announced it, you know, a couple months before the Kickstarter sure. actually happened. Because um, I follow them on on social media. Uh, I I said when I when they announced it that I would back it at the highest tier that they had available, mm-hmm. and I did day one. Literally <laughs> like two minutes after it went live, I did as high as I could, um, and and I can't wait. You know, they've they've got a uh, a sort of player's guide a source book they've got a dm screen they've got maps they've got like a day one coin like a deck of uh magic items and monsters and things like that and it's uh i think right now the page count is at about 400 maybe a little bit more than 400 so that's, that's a hefty that, tone. that is a hefty book yeah and if if chris metzen's track record is anything uh, this this is going to be a lore heavy very explored world that you can play in do you know anything about the setting so far? Basically nothing besides what was shown in the Kickstarter and mm-hmm. some of the Kickstarter updates is known. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big uh, sort of um, uh, mechanics are these like arcane tattoos. So mm. you can, I believe it might be a, a, a subclass or just like a magic item sort of thing where you can get uh, in this world uh, uh, that the Ouroboros takes place in. Um, you can get these arcane tattoos scarred onto your body, okay, and they'll give you different magical effects, and that'll affect 
uh, you, your ability to, to do things in combat, and it'll interact somehow with the world. Um, do you imagine you're going to use the world as is, or are you going to pull stuff from it? I, I think that... Uh, I think that I would probably use the world as is. It, it doesn't. It doesn't strike me as a place that you could take and sort of make your own, mm-hmm. just because of the way that sort of WoW and StarCraft, World of Warcraft and StarCraft have have coalesced in mm-hmm. like the past fifteen years, lore-wise. Even with the WoW uh, RPG, the tabletop RPG, it was like you know everything was pretty set in stone mm-hmm. um so this is i think a world where i would play in or, or drop a group in okay um and just use the established lore well and with the multiverse stuff coming up if there's a way to visit uh, yeah you know, yeah you can tie that in and just have it be another exactly world or something hey like let's that. go visit Ouroboros and cool you know play four or five levels there cool so i'm really looking forward to that but it is is classic sort of high fantasy um setting nice all right, John, what's your most anticipated game of the year? Okay, so my most anticipated game of the year, uh, I, I'm actually I'm surprised that this is my most anticipated game of the year, but it is. Um, <laughs> I want to play uh, Merkborg. Um, we've talked so about it. We've talked about Mer- Merkborg on the show a couple times. Um, so this is put out by uh, Free League, mm. um, who also puts out the Alien RPG. Yep. Um, they they published the the Merkborg uh, book. It's super rules light. It's OSR. It's very dark, very gritty, very not for children. <laughs> um, but it also seems like it, you know it would be really cool for a one shot. Sure. Now again, this doesn't strike me as a fantasy game that I would want to play in for a long campaign mm-hmm. because it is uh, the the world of Merkborg is teetering on oblivion it's 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 almost the apocalypse Mm -hmm. right uh it's almost the end of the world and so it's got that end of the world death metal (laughs) feel right um so that is very hopeless yeah right so you could i could do that for a night yeah it doesn't lend itself to constant hopelessness yeah like i i'm not i'm just not that dark of a person you need right? some wins I, yeah um so because i'm i'm more happy-go-lucky like i could i could do it for a night i can yeah, yeah. i can get emo for a night <laughs> but um you know after that uh then I'd, I'd like to go back to something that is a, a little bit more even yeah, yeah. um you know, just in, in the same way that I I really wouldn't want to play, you know, a game like uh, My Little Pony Quest, Tales of Equestria, you know, for a, <laughs> for a long campaign, uh, because it's maybe a little bit too far in yeah, one direction. Merkborg is probably uh, too far in the other direction, but I want to I really want to try it. And again, uh, sort of similar to Mothership. It's the indie cool right now. Yeah. And it look good and it looks great. And the presentation is incredible. And the third party support looks good Mm. and is is and is creative and and, uh, interesting presentation of things. Uh, You know, some some Merkborg uh, products are in, um, you know, in packed in, uh, you know, old seven inch records. Ooh. Right. Like like punk rock records that I would get when I was nice. a, when I was a teenager. Uh, so it'll have a it'll have a seven inch uh, record vinyl soundtrack yeah, you can to, play along. to go with the adventure. Um, that's awesome. So that's cool. Like that. That's the punk rock, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and thinking about presentation. It is indie cool. <laughs> it is like, you know, it feels like it's, it, you know, it's fun to collect right now. Sure. All the different stuff. Um, and so, 
Mothership is 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 the sci-fi. That was my number five. Mm. Merkborg, if that's my number one, it's because I am more of a fantasy sure. gamer uh, naturally. Uh, you know, that's my inclination. But um, both of them, they've got the indie cool cred right now. Uh, and I want to bring them to the table and I want to uh, expose some other people to mm. to them and see if they're fun. And I, I think it could be a, a fun doom metal night. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, play some tenacious D. Uh, something like that. <laughs> I think it's even, you know, yeah, real, yeah, a little bit heavier, well, even even heavier than that. So, uh, like I said, I'm not that I'm not that uh, depressed a, a person, <laughs> but I think uh, I think for one night, you know, I think it could be again a fun, memorable, yeah, a memorable night. one shot. Yeah. So, what about you, Jesse? You your last? What's your what's your number one? This is most my anticipated, most anticipated, and I have only gotten increasingly more. Excited? Good. Um, I started recently reading through the starter edition or starter pack yeah. for the Alien RPG. Yes. And previous to reading it, I was excited. Starting to read through it, I'm even more excited. Um, it, I, I've always liked Alien and the universe of Alien and the, the lore behind everything. Yep. The different movies and the different video games and whatnot. Uh, even the novels, even though they kind of suck. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought the idea of the RPG would be like kind of like a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Like you could play Alien like a like a board game, mm-hmm. and I could see you having fun with that. But as an RPG, you can really sort of get into it and and get into that sort of horror aspect of uh, of, of the Alien RPG. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I've not yet finished reading through the starter edition we're actually going to play that soon yes and uh the starter edition was like pretty good it came with a bunch of a bunch of goodies yeah and uh it's like jam-packed with good stuff um lots of dice yeah in that, yeah in yeah. that starter set dice yeah um I, I i think it was really well made i i think that they have a lot of good stuff to pull from mm-hmm. uh it's not like you play through as ripley from you know the original movie okay it's its own sort of standalone thing uh, which I really appreciate because, you know, this is an RPG. We don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. The night will take us where it's supposed to go. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, so a little bit behind the scenes, I also picked up a copy of the Alien mm-hmm. uh, starter set. And we are planning a future episode where we're going to compare uh, sci-fi starter sets. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a look at the Alien RPG starter set. We're going to take a look at the uh, Cyberpunk Red starter set. We're going to take a look at the Starfinder Starfinder, starter set. And we might even take a look at the Star Trek (laughs) uh, Modifius 2D20 Mm -hmm. uh, starter set as well. And, and, you know, those... those are all readily available right now mm-hmm. on Amazon and, and your local uh, your local uh, gaming store. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of want to say like you know a little bit of a battle royale here. Like who's got the best starter set? What's the what's the, if you're also like us thinking about wanting to get into a science fiction role playing game, which is the one to to check out? But the first mm-hmm. one we're going to play is the Alien. Yeah, and um, it seems like there's there's uh, like two different ways to play it. You can play it sort of more board gamey, mm-hmm. where you've got like a map and minis and things like that, or you can play it more sort of cinematic, and you're just doing sort of light checks and uh, uh, a little bit more, you know, ambiance driven. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, maybe we'll have to do an, an, a separate episode of like, <laughs> you know, uh, how it was to play it, because like I said, this is my most anticipated thing, and we're getting it, you know, 
uh, right off the bat, beginning of the year, we're going to knock it out. So I'm excited to play it. Cool. And it also, uh, coming soon from Free League, is uh, Blade Runner. Yes. Which is they're going to reskin the alien yes, role-playing yes, game. Yes, yes, So if we get the, you know, we learn the, ro- the alien game and we like it, well, then it's just a... You know, a, set in a Blade Runner setting. Yeah, different, Even better. <laughs> different, co- different coat of paint. Yeah, same yeah. rules. Let's go. So, what games are you looking forward to playing this year? Uh, it's the beginning of the year, New Year, New You. <laughs> Let us know uh, over at everyeditionrpg.com. You can find all of our socials there. Uh, let us know in the comments. Send us an email at everyeditionrpg at gmail.com. And let us know what games you're looking forward to. We're definitely heavy on the, the sci-fi. I'm wondering if there's anybody who's you know has a lot of experience with sci-fi who's looking to get into fantasy stuff. Or uh, or even may, maybe My Little Pony or, or the Power Rangers stuff coming. You never know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, let us know at everyeditionrpg at gmail.com. All right, it's time to loot the body. Today's Loot the Body is Torg Eternity, put out by Ulysses Spiel, which is a German gaming company. And Torg Eternity is based on a 90s property uh, called Torg, Mm. which was put out by West End Games. Uh, And Torg actually uh, stands for the other role playing game. (laughs) And so it has a little bit of a cheeky, a little bit of a cheeky title. Uh, so when it came out in the 90s, it was on, uh, you know, the store shelves of Walden Books. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right next to uh, your AD&D and your second edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons books. And so I can remember being a kid going to the bookstore uh, and uh, just being in awe of <laughs> Torg and this. You know, this idea that uh, a role-playing game didn't just have to be like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. could be something else. Uh, it could be something totally different. Uh, the main idea behind Torg is that the Earth is being invaded okay. by, all, uh, by different realities, by different cosms. And each cosm uh, has a, uh, a temporal bridge that comes over. And it lands uh, on the earth somewhere, and then it spreads its reality onto oh, the land and sure. sort of remaps things and takes it over uh, as its own. And if you pull back the curtain, what Torg was trying to do was very similar to what GURPS was trying to do at the time in the 90s, too, which was create sort of a way to be able for you to play any kind of character you want in any kind of setting. Sure. And mishmash them all together and have it all make sense. Mm. Uh, there's also a game uh, uh, in the 80s and 90s called Riffs that was also oh, yeah, s- yeah. sort of like that, Very but had a, had a little more of a post-apocalyptic mm. uh, sort of feel. But this also is this is an invasion right, yeah. of different realities, of different cosms, uh, as they're called, coming in uh, to the Earth and taking it over. So the basic idea is if you want to play a superhero, you can play a superhero. If you want to play okay. an, uh, you know, a soldier, an army soldier, you can play a soldier. You want to play a magic user, you play a magic user. Uh, whatever, whatever it is you can imagine that you want to play, you can find the right combination of Cosm and, and you know, backstory to have it sort of make sense. Um, each of these realities that are invading, there is a leader okay. of that reality uh, that's called High Lord, okay. and the High Lords are trying to uh, steal the possibility energy 
and harvest the energy of the earth uh, to to reinforce their power and to spread like their and to spread their will and spread their world and stuff like that. And so all of these uh, all of these cosms are also in conflict with the earth, but they're also in conflict with each other. And so obviously you can imagine there's a lot of opportunity to play off of, sure. right? The get, you know, the enemy and my enemy is my friend or get, <laughs> you know, get the, get the bad guys to fight each other. Sure. Um, that sort of thing. Uh, North America, the United States was invaded by a, a, a cosm called the living land. And it's very much like a um, land of the lost okay. kind of feel. It's dinosaurs. It's, um, you know, George of the Jungle or, tar- or Tarzan or whatever, uh, lizard people, nice. right? That kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, and technology doesn't work mm. as well in that particular cosm. And so if you're somebody who's using a gun or somebody who has a high-tech, you know, weapon or suit or something like that, like Iron Man, um, you'll be rolling to see if your technology continues to Even work works, yeah. in that cosm, hmm. right? And vice versa. There's all, all sorts of different, uh, different um, you know, checks for each of the worlds in terms of like high magic or high spirit or high tech or high social. Uh, those are the four different, the four different measurements uh, for the cosms. I like that it, there's a, it's, it's not just like a, a mix of like, hey, here's all the elves, here's right. the dwarves, here's all the fantasy stuff. It's just a mix of a bunch of different settings. Yeah. Like here's the steampunk people. Right, right, right. You know, here's the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. Here's the cyberpunk. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and they really did try to, you know, again, it came out in the 90s. This is the this is the the latest version hmm. um, of the game. So West End Games put out the one in the 90s. It had a, it had a lot of product in a short amount of time. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in the early 90s and then the mid 90s and, and um, uh, and Ulysses Spiel is also releasing a, a lot of products in a pretty short amount of time. So it, it, it lends itself to that because every Cosm almost gets its own, you know, yeah. sort of rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, uh, it's not for the, the, the lighthearted in terms of, <laughs> um, you know, the, you can't be afraid of some rules, uh, both the West End Games version of Torg and, and the like Torg it. Eternity version. The thing I like about Torg Eternity is it does use um, it does use cards. Mm. It does use, um, uh, you know, uh, different um, possibility tokens. There's a lot of tangible, mm. you know, sort of aspects to the game. But those also have rules. So it's not it's it's not a game that's going to be super easy to pick up, you really would need to have a group of people that are going to say, yep, I love the setting and I want to learn sure. Torg. Uh, so truth be told, I've been reading Torg books. I've only ever played Torg uh, a handful of times sure. in the in the early 90s when then when there was a group of people that, like me, were, were fascinated by it. <laughs> um, but I haven't found anybody else <laughs> in my area, but I still, I love it and I love it reading the books. sweet. And I, I would definitely enjoy reading through it it's i mean like you said it seems like a book that or a game that needs a bunch of books and a bunch of different resources Mm -hmm. um like if i want to play a soldier in this world or if i want to you know have dinosaurs or whatever how how do i go about that you can't fit that all into one book without missing a ton of stuff um i'd like to to get like a group of dedicated tabletop role-playing people who enjoy uh the hobby for what it is not a specific game or whatever um, 
and sort of figure it out together. Yeah. So I think it'd be really fun. And I'm, I'm blanking on some of the luminaries of the tabletop role-playing game industry that worked on Torg. Mm. But a lot of people who worked on Torg, uh, you know, and some of the most notable who ended up working on then third edition Dungeons and Dragons, oh. there's a th- there's a thread line there. So it's not like Torg doesn't have its place sure. in the history of the of this hobby. Um, and it certainly, to me, has a very uh, a very warm place because I just, I get, again, I still as a as a as an adult, like I, I still love the world. I mm. can't, I I just get so into the idea of like the Nile Empire, where it's it's <laughs> it's Egyptian but also pulp uh, okay. superheroes, and the idea of the cyber papacy, where it's like <laughs> you know Catholicism and the future gone wrong and. <laughs> You know, um, just all, th- this wonderful, rich uh, idea of uh, of the possibility wars, and that's what it's called. And if you're somebody who can jump from one cosm to another and maintain your connection to mm-hmm. your home world, then you're a storm knight. Okay. And so that's the name of the heroes. Everybody, uh, all the player characters are storm knights. And so if you are somebody who uses magic and you find yourself in that high tech world. Uh, of the cyber papacy where magic is low or mm. something like that, um, but you can still cast magic. Well, that's because you're a storm knight. It's because you have this yeah. connection. You have this special connection mm. to to possibility, energy, and and what everything that the the uh, the high lords are after. Mm. Um, so it ha- also has that like, um, you you know, sort of like you feel special as a player yeah, yeah, character. Yeah. Like everybody else is is uh, being transformed into whatever world. But you didn't transform, and why is that? Well, it's because you're special. Well, of course you're special. You're the player character, <laughs> right? And so, the, but that's built into nice. the cosmology of the world and stuff. So it's 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 just super rich. Uh, I, I I love it. Uh, um, it is fun to just uh, read the book. Like I, I would recommend uh, pick up the pick up the core rule book for Torg Eternity. It'll give you an overview of um, the base. You know, six or seven cosms. Mm. And uh, and that'll give you a feel for um, the the different high lords and their relationships to each other, and, and and which ones work together and which ones hate each other, and and give you some of that um, some of that political backstory. That seems like you fun. could you could play you know very combat heavy where you're just like going in through whatever campaign and and you know you've picked one side to to side with, yep. or you side with the people who uh, you know make up your party, and then target one get rid of them or you could play a, a very political type game where yep. you're, you're doing a lot of intrigue and, and subterfuge and spies like spies yeah. yeah oh definitely it lends itself yeah. i think uh, not only to multiple settings but also multiple styles of gameplay definitely yeah. absolutely yeah so check out um check out torg eternity by ulysses uh spiel and if you uh if you're so inclined you could also check out uh, the original Torg game from the early 90s, which was put out by West End Games. You'll have to head to eBay for that one. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, everybody. This has been Every Edition, your tabletop RPG talk show. Uh, make sure to check us out over at everyeditionrpg.com to find links to all of our socials. Like and subscribe, please. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to send us a note, uh, that's everyeditionrpg at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. This has been Every Edition, the tabletop RPG talk show. Contact us by emailing everyeditionrpg at gmail.com, and we may feature you in a future episode. Special thanks to the Elkars for providing all the music you hear on the show. 
Check out the Elkar's album Bad Ends to hear all the songs featured in their entirety. Thanks for listening, and remember, it's not the edition you play, it's how you roll the dice. Mm-hmm.